You just abandon any precaution. You know, folks, something could happen here, and if it does, so what? Hey friends, welcome to Nathan for Us, a Nathan Fielder fan podcast. My name is Kelly. And hi, I'm Megan. And welcome to episode three of the rehearsal coverage we are doing on our podcast. Before we get into it, there has been a lot of chatter in the Nathan Fielder universe over the past week since our last episode dropped. Um, Robin from episode two did a big interview with Vice and has been causing a ruckus online, posting in various Facebook groups about things. And I don't know, Megan, do you have an opinion on Robin and his uh, what he's been doing post-show? Look, I love a ruckus. I'm here for it. The more information I can get about the show and behind the scenes, the better. However, if he thinks that this is making him look better... Um, I would say I don't think it's helping. Yes, certainly. Yes. If anyone has not checked out the interview that he did with Vice, which um, I imagine is very much breaking his NDA, he doubles down on a lot of the things that he said in the episode, though still says he does not like the way that he was portrayed. So I'm not quite sure how that works, but you know. Yeah, it's a really good read. I definitely recommend it if you're interested in learning a little bit more about the show behind the scenes. And if you're someone who's listening to a podcast about the show, I would assume that this would interest you. So definitely go take it, take a read. It's really interesting. Um, it's a little bit long to, to go over the whole thing on the podcast, but I thought it was really entertaining at the very least. Yeah. And he also made a post in the Nathan for You business posting group on Facebook, which you should definitely join. And we're unsure at this point if he spoiled any part of the show. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this possible spoiler for the rehearsal. Okay, three, two, one, go. So Robin posted a photo of him, or multiple photos, I should say, of him with Angela from episodes two and three, um, kind of like canoodling and kissing. So unclear what that means for the show, if he comes back at some point and they get back together or if they got back together post-show. It's really up in the air. We have very little information other than what I just said. Yeah, he's also spoken online about how they have discussed that they feel very connected and that they're meant to be together. It might not, it might just not be the right time um, or the right circumstances. So maybe we'll see them together in the future. I'm excited to see the rest of the episodes and see what ends up happening. And then finally, if there wasn't enough to talk about with the episode, um, there's been a lot of talk online recently, mainly on Twitter, about whether or not the rehearsal and Nathan Fielder's projects in general are ethical or not, or if they're kind of taking advantage of people. And Megan and I kind of wanted to open up the conversation to someone who is more versed in ethics and this type of thing than we are. So if that is you, if you are, you know, working in this field or are like a professor or something like that, we would love to chat with you, um, particularly if you have watched Nathan for you in its entirety and you're watching the rehearsal, because I think it is important to have context of both shows to kind of talk about. Feel free to send us an email, nathanforuspodcast at gmail.com because we would love to do a bonus episode kind of just talking about that subject. Yes, I'm very interested to cover it. I have a lot of opinions. However, it would be great to speak with 
someone who has a degree in ethics or has a lot more education on the background to discuss it with. Definitely. Yeah. And I think it would honestly just take like a whole episode if we were discussing it on our own anyway. So I think mm-hmm. it's better to just kind of save that for a different time. But yeah, we we would absolutely love to cover it. So we'll table that for now and dive into the episode, but keep your eyes peeled for a bonus episode about the ethics of Nathan for you. And I guess the rehearsal as well. Yes, all of it rolled together into one. And with that, let's talk about episode three, Gold Digger. When you heard the title Gold Digger, did you have any thoughts on what this might be about? Um, I love that this episode included both how they are talking about a person being a gold digger and that being a concern. But when they physically went gold digging, I lost my absolute mind. (laughs) I love a good treasure hunt, the double entendre, the layers. It just, oh my gosh, I was so excited. As soon as um, they went physically gold digging with the grandpa, I was like, Nathan Fielder is a genius. I love this. I actually had a different thought when I originally saw the title. I thought maybe like Angela was going to be revealed to be some sort of gold digger and we were going to have to find like a replacement mom uh, for the rehearsal. But I'm pretty tickled with how it actually turned out. Well, could we could we say that Angela's a gold digger? Because she has a lot of requests for her dream life. She does have a lot of requests, and she seems to not want to work very much aside from her Etsy store st- selling skincare, which we will get into. <laughs> yes. Um, were you able to find her Etsy store? I was not. I didn't look very hard, but I do have a like small theory that perhaps Angela like does not have an Etsy store. Like maybe she's just one of those people who's always like, "Oh yeah, my Etsy store," but like doesn't really work on it, kind of thing. Do you know anyone who does that? That's so specific. No, I I do not know anyone who actually does that, but I could see it being like a thing. You know how sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I'm working on my book or like I'm working on my screenplay, but like they're not really. They just are trying to sound interesting. (laughs) I don't know anyone like that. We did see her like rubbing some essential oils around and she did have some tiny pots of white liquid. So maybe she does actually have an Etsy store. Who am I to say? It gave me Jan from The Office vibes so aggressively when they cut to the scene of her rubbing the essential oils into her skin and her just inhaling what I thought was candles, um, but I guess it's skincare. Yeah, and it really ties into um, episode two where she was talking about the lavender oil on the soles of the feet. Now we understand this is like a whole thing. It all comes back together. Yeah, she believes this deeply. Yes. Now what she doesn't believe in is Halloween. Oh my god. Devastating. This was a devastating blow. I mean, not that I like was very particularly into Angela in episode 2 anyway, but like this would really be a deal breaker for me. We see Nathan and Adam dressed up as Batman and Robin. What an adorable duo. They come out and I thought it was and I get that this is the rehearsal for them being parents, but I thought it was really funny when Adam called her mommy. I was like, that must be really weird for this child. I don't know how they convinced them to do that. Well, he said Catwoman is Batman's mommy, which is... Oh, whoa. Like, yeah. <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> he like held up a Catwoman costume and tried to hand it to her and was like, this is Batman's mommy. Which like, I mean, in a way, like she kind of is Batman's um, mommy. Is, is she... Yeah, I thought her issue was going to be with the skin-tight latex costume. I didn't – and I should have guessed that she believed 
Halloween was a satanic holiday. Yeah, and she goes really in-depth with, like, particular, like, not even just, like, oh, it's a satanic holiday, but she had, like, very specific ideas about what happens on Halloween that do not involve trick-or-treating and candy. No, so I did look up the history of Halloween and have a really brief synopsis (laughs) from History of Halloween on history.com. Um, okay, wait, did you go on Google? Because I've heard that that is owned by the devil, therefore non-trustworthy. The irony of her telling Nathan to Google it while also saying that Google is owned or run by the devil is hilarious. Also, her emphasizing Nathan's need to look up keywords is great. She's, she's a marketer for sure. I'm more convinced than ever she has an Etsy shop. Fair. Killing it on the keywords, even though after a brief Google search, I have not found her business yet. (laughs) Yeah, maybe she's not doing so great on the keyword search. But yes, tell us about the history of Halloween, a a Celtic holiday, according to Nathan. According to History.com, the tradition originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Sewan, when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints. Soon, All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Sewan. So I think if you click other places um, and you use the correct keywords, you can get that it is the devil's holiday. Um, But just from history.com, it is from the ancient Celtic festival. They like to carve turnips as opposed to jack-o'-lanterns and make lovely stews and pies out of the innards. I love a good turnip stew. Like, that sounds delicious. Sign me up for that. Yeah, I don't know if I've had one, but Halloween is most people's top or second or it's in the top three favorite holidays for most people. Yeah, it's a great holiday. It's like the most fun. You get candy, you get to dress up. I also wanted to touch on one other thing, which she mentions a Bohemian Grove. Have you heard of Bohemian Grove before? Are you familiar with this retreat? I am not. So this is a plug for a podcast, actually, that I love. But there is a true crime podcast called Sinisterhood that did a whole episode on Bohemian Grove. If you're interested in it, highly recommend listening. Bohemian Grove is essentially where a lot of like ex-presidents are members. There's the Bohemian Club. And Bohemian Grove is a retreat that they go on for two weeks every year where basically it's just like a bunch of old white dudes get drunk and probably cheat on their wives. Yikes. Yeah. So no wonder Angela doesn't like it. Yeah. Um, Now, I did notice that Adam also had an egg costume. Um, Disappointing that she wasn't open to trying that one on as well. Yeah. Do we think that there were costumes to go with the egg costume? Because obviously Batman robbing Catwoman, that's like a trio costume. Was there potentially like a bacon eggs coffee costume alternative something like that chicken i guess chicken and (laughs) egg is because the egg was definitely fried so i guess that combination's a little bit sadder that's dark yeah i didn't think of the breakfast combo but probably probably what you're thinking is correct yeah maybe like a bagel the egg and like a slice of processed cheese like there's a lot of options if you want to do a threesome with an egg costume But being the egg is definitely the best one. You don't want to be a slice of processed cheese for Halloween. Speak for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So I did want to talk about convincing a three-year-old to call someone else mommy and daddy because the older kids would definitely know that they are acting. Like, But telling a three-year-old seems like it would be very confusing. 
Yeah, I imagine it would be extremely confusing. Yeah, and also accepting that their name is just Adam for an unknown number of hours a day. I know that for the actual babies, I believe the limit was three or four hours. I forget what three-year-olds, but for just a few hours, their parents have to tell them, okay, you are now Adam. This is your mother and father. (laughs) Yeah, I would love to know um, from like a child psychologist perspective (laughs) whether or not this is okay because it does feel like three is like a very impressionable age where they kind of learn a lot of things. Like, is this going to lead them to being, you know, in class and accidentally calling their teacher mommy, which I think is everyone's fear? That That's hard to recover from. We all know that kid. Yeah. It's, it's tough life, you know? I wonder if there are any children that they used who wouldn't buy into it or were just really uncomfortable that they had to switch out. Maybe, yeah. This kid did seem to be really well-behaved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, particularly with the being called Adam and the mommy-daddy stuff and just generally, like, reacting to the parents. Yeah, the kid seemed great. Very fun. Yeah, I'm excited for the six-year-old, though, because I think this is – from now on, I think, is when things are going to go even more off the rails. I think I'm most excited for the angsty teens. That will be great, too. So, as predicted last week, which, good job um, to us – was that this would be a continuous theme throughout the next episode. We're not sure how the next few episodes would go, but I think it's safe to say that Nathan and Angela raising this family is going to continue episode to episode, hopefully for the whole series. And then we'll get these secondary schemes and rehearsals placed in every episode as well. So for this one, we meet a man named Patrick who needs to confront his brother about getting his inheritance from his grandfather who passed away. Um, Now, his grandfather had stipulated that he cannot get his inheritance if he is dating a gold digger. And Patrick's brother thinks that Patrick's current girlfriend, Ness, is a gold digger and believes that he should not get his inheritance unless they break up. Yeah, this is a very specific thing to put into your will. I don't think I would put it into mine, but I'm sure there are people out there who've done it. But do we think that there's some sort of underlying issue where like Patrick has a really bad history of dating gold diggers? Is it somewhere else in the family? I know he says that his brother believes that every woman he's dated recently has been a gold digger, but I don't know. It just it feels so specific to be a one off. I would bet that Patrick's grandfather has dated someone he believes to be a gold digger and is less very touchy about the subject. I guess I can't speak to Patrick's financial situation, but considering he's really relying on getting this inheritance, I would say it's hard for someone to assume that he's dating someone that's a gold digger, um, as I believe you would normally need to have quite a bit of money first. Yeah, it feels weird to be like a gold digger, but it's like I'm a gold digger, but I'm con- it's contingent upon like a family member dying. That seems to be way too much of a risk. If I was going to gold dig, I would find someone who is independently wealthy. We also don't know how much money we're talking about here. Like how much is this inheritance? That I think would really help to know if they're a gold digger or not, if they're a part of a very wealthy family. Um, But that's hard to say since we never learned the exact number. It kills me that we don't know the number. I would love to know how much money it actually is because I'm like, how much trouble would I be willing to go to and how much money is it, right? Like I feel like there's some sort of scale you would need to develop, 
like I think for like five grand, you're not going to all this trouble, right? No, no, probably not. And also probably your partner is not a gold digger if your inheritance is $5,000. We assume. We assume. We we know very little about Patrick. We don't know his job or anything. We do know he loves the Punisher. Yeah, which is a pretty immediate red flag coupled with the anti-Semitic comments, I would say. I mean, they're not good. So when they... Begin the rehearsal, we learn that there is an actor named Isaac who is coming in to play Patrick's brother. And during their initial conversation where Patrick is trying to convince Isaac that, no, Ness is not a gold digger, um, he says some anti-Semitic things that Nathan flags, such as, you know, oh, if anything, she's a Jew, she's a real penny pitcher. And Nathan steps in to say, oh, you know, should we be saying these things and has a bit of an external monologue of, well, if that's how you would speak to your family member, maybe then you should include it. But it's really not something you should be saying, but I guess it's all right. And so he ultimately decides that if that's how they speak to each other, he should stay true to that. But I think that Nathan has an internal conflict as obviously he would not want this to be said on his show. Yeah, for sure. Uh, He tries his hardest to, like, educate, but also, like, understandably, this is meant to be some sort of, like, an experiment, like a social experiment. So he doesn't want to step in too, too much. We saw this before as well with the babysitting for Angela. Like, Nathan wants people to be shown as they are. Um, I think even with, like, Robin, he didn't really say things to Robin to lead Robin's conversation in any one way. He kind of just lets the conversation play out as it would. And that's exactly what happens here. I do also want to chat about where Patrick wants to have his rehearsal and where he wants to tell his brother, you know, or confront his brother, I guess we could say, which is at a Raising Cane's Chicken Finger restaurant. I have never been. Yeah, I thought... We could chat through, you know, kind of a ding, marry, kill of if you had to confront someone, where would you want to do it? Between Raising Cane's Chicken Finger Restaurant, Quiznos, which has chef-inspired sauces, or dumb Starbucks with, you know, dumb Nora Ephron music playing softly in the background. Well, I have never been to a Raising Cane's, which might mean that it would be the place I would be least likely to bump into anyone that I know. So maybe that would be my first choice for having a tough conversation as I would probably never go back there, but possibly discover it's amazing. I'm not sure. Have you ever been? No, unfortunately, Raising Cane's is um, only in specific states. Ohio being one, if we wanted to take a little drive to Ohio, we could go. But yeah, there's none really close to us. To to confront our family members? Yeah, but it looks pretty bomb. Like, I'm not going to lie. The chicken fingers look pretty amazing. I am a vegetarian, so that doesn't appeal to me now. But I think like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like I would be fucking with some Raising Cane's for sure. Yeah, so I am going to marry Raising Cane's. I'm going to fuck Quiznos and I'm going to murder Starbucks because that's where I go the most often and would not want to have a traumatic life event there and then potentially bump into people I know or cause a scene in front of staff that I have to go back and try to get a coffee but not make eye contact with them. Even even dumb Starbucks? 
well, dumb Starbucks closes after a day and I, and Nathan might even help me resolve this family issue. So that might be the best place to go. Um, but I think finding a nostalgic place where your grandfather would always bring you pulling on those heartstrings was a little bit clever. We never actually see how his brother reacts to this conversation. Um, like my family, my, my grandparents really love the pickle barrel and um, Swiss chalet because we're here in Canada. Um, and those are like the most old person restaurants. <laughs> um, so maybe that's where I would go if we were doing the Canadian version. But I don't have too many other thoughts on Raising Cane's. It looked like a delight. The, the atmosphere that Nathan was able to recreate um, seemed accurate. It looked like a real restaurant. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Swiss Chalet is really like the grandparents' spot. Like, yeah, for sure. They always want to – if you are from not Canada, like do yourself a favor. Look up Swiss Chalet. They make this chalet sauce. I have no clue what's in it, but it's like bra- it's like a brown gravy, but it's much better than just gravy. It's really good. They make rotisserie chicken. That's their specialty. Um, it's just, you know, it's a solid spot. Like, don't like come to Canada just to go to Swiss Chalet. But if you're ever here and you're like, you know, I could use some greasy chicken and some subpar French fries, go ahead up a Swiss Chalet. One other thing I do want to chat about. So Nathan is having a hard time with Patrick because Patrick can't seem to follow a strategy. We saw an episode uh, one core was like very willing to go through the flow chart and he was really good at kind of mimicking things that he had said previously to keep his rehearsal going smoothly and consistent with what they had been doing previously. However, Patrick, he's just a chaotic guy. He's not following the script. He's not he doesn't care about your flow chart and he's just doing what he's going to do. And we see one snippet where Nathan has to step in to say, like, I don't think that an arm wrestle is going to solve this argument. And I would like to posit that perhaps it could. I mean, if he's confident that he can beat his brother at an arm wrestle, then it's a great strategy. If he's not sure if he'll win, it's possibly a lot of money to lose to an arm wrestle. But I think it's, like, quick. It's dirty. It's fair if why Why is it dirty? I guess it's not dirty. How it's have clean. you arm wrestled? It it should not be dirty. <laughs> They're eating chicken fingers, Megan. They're covered in sauce. <laughs> you just clear off the table. Maybe this isn't the exact spot they have the arm wrestle. And we never meet or see Patrick's brother, so it's difficult for us to say whether that is a good strategy or not. No, yeah. Patrick could have like gone home and practiced arm. I don't know. There's just like I feel like this could have worked for him. Personally, this might be how I solve all my problems in the future. Who are you competing against? People smaller than me <laughs> only. <laughs> Good strategy. So we see Nathan um, kind of return home and he's feeling a little bit down in the dumps. He can't hang out with his son, uh, his son in heavy air quotes, Adam, too much because he's always at work um, and he's unable to read him a bedtime story. And that makes him really sad. So Nathan decides he's going to bring Adam to work with him the next day. And when he gets to work, he has a little bit of an epiphany, which is that he's been neglecting people's feelings when they're doing the rehearsal. We saw it with Cor when Cor froze up having to tell Trish the dish about his lie. 
And we're seeing it now with Patrick, where Patrick kind of is not taking this super seriously and is obviously, you know, not feeling the emotions he might feel later on when he actually has to confront his brother. So he comes up with a genius way to put Patrick in the exact same emotional state that he would be when confronting his real brother. And to do this, he hatches up a plan with fake Patrick's brother, Isaac, to ask Patrick after one of their rehearsals if he is willing to come to his grandfather's house with him to help him lift something. Patrick is very kind and immediately agrees. And essentially Nathan sets up this whole scenario where the end result is that Isaac's grandfather is going to give Patrick part of his inheritance. um, And Isaac needs to make sure that if he's going to give him the inheritance, that his girlfriend is not a gold digger and it puts Patrick in the exact same situation where he needs to defend the fact that Ness is not a gold digger and he is truly fighting for an inheritance. So he has that emotional state that is needed for when he talks to his real brother. This is like a very Nathan for you-esque second level that Nathan takes it to. First of all, Patrick's brother, the fake Patrick's brother, aka our actor Isaac, He's so good in this whole episode. Like, kudos to that guy. Incredible work. The grandfather, um, I don't believe we get his name, but I think on subtitles it might have been Johnny, is incredible, too. He is so funny. He's a fantastic actor. Oh, my goodness. We need to look him up on IMDb immediately. So I did go onto the rehearsal page, but it wasn't on IMDb yet, unfortunately. A travesty. We will report back. Because there's no way this man is a Craigslist man. He is a he is an actor. This is my dream. If some random old man is like, come dig up gold with me, I'm like, absolutely, let's go on an adventure. And plus there's a camera crew so you don't feel threatened and you feel safe. Wow, the dream. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Yeah. You know, you can't adventure with a man alone in the woods. But but boy, I'd love to. Okay, I have breaking news. Um, I googled the rehearsal episode three, Fake Grandpa, just now while we were live on the podcast. And there's an article from the Daily Beast called, Is Nathan Fielder Acting on the Rehearsal? The show is Fake Grandpa Speaks Out. And then it has a quote that says, I've been punked by better. And the little uh, subheadline is the undercover agent turned actor stole last week's episode of the HBO comedy from the Nathan For You creator. He talks about his experience, both the good and the uncomfortable. So this is this is pretty wild. This broke literally eight hours ago. Yeah, this timing is incredible. Tell us everything that he says. Because you would assume as he is a hired actor, there's nothing that – like he was in on all of it. So what more does he have to say? Yeah, well, let me tell you. His name is Vincent Safulo. Safulu. Apologies, Vincent. Sorry, Vinny. (laughs) He's from San Francisco. And he was apparently in the Marines. Um, And then later on, he joined the Athens, Georgia Police Department while finishing a bachelor's degree and later earned a master's degree in the psychological sciences. Vincent's just crushing it. He has a book called Rat Snakes. Cheating Death by Living a Lie Inside the Explosive World of ATF's Undercover Agents and How We Changed the Game. Googling rat snakes right now. Should we start a book club? If anyone wants to do a book club with us, 
Honestly, we might need to. Um, we might need to start a book club. Apparently, Rat Snakes is a nonfiction memoir about his time working as an undercover agent. So I'm sure he has a ton of stories. Um, apparently, he was kind of recruited by chance from some contacts that he knows in the ATF. And they were like, you're an undercover guy. Can you be an actor? And he said that the show was very quirky and that he had a fair amount of contact with Nathan and that Nathan is, again, a quirky dude, but that Nathan was pleasant enough, forthcoming enough and engaging. But what you see on the show, I don't think he's acting. He used the word quirky like four times. So on Amazon.ca, his book has gotten a 4.6 out of 5. On Goodreads, we have a 3.8 out of 5. And on Barnes & Noble, a 4.3 out of 5. Those are all really good. Yeah. We might actually have to read Rat Snakes. <laughs> yeah. They also did ask him about the diaper scene, which we are kind of uh, getting too soon. And he kind of said, they said that when he first proposed it, he was like, absolutely not. Um, and he was really nervous that he was going to get made fun of. And then he's like, basically, when it came to, to actually happening, I just I just did it. And like, hoped it would be okay. So thank you, Vincent. Yeah, because that's something that I definitely assumed when they went behind the tree didn't actually happen. And we'll get into it when we eventually have an ethics pod. But I think there is something there with tricking someone into like medically assisting them and wiping, Yeah, I guess, you know, helping them clean up after themselves is something no one wants to do. And it's incredibly kind that Patrick went over and helped. Um, but I think I'd be pretty upset to learn that it was a prank afterwards. I think the rest of it I could get over, but that part would be a little rough. Yeah. He did say, like, essentially that he was told, like, everything about the show. And he had some misgivings, but, like, he was uncomfortable at first. And, like, the fake environment and everything, he was kind of, like, uncomfortable with that. But he was, like, also worried when they told him about that that they were going to be pranking him. So, mm -hmm. but he also did say that they said the right things to suggest to me that they were keeping their interest in them up front, that they weren't intentionally going to out or hurt somebody or embarrass anybody. It sounds like, at least on the back end of the show, they don't feel that they're trying to, like, hurt people which I think is half the battle. We'll get into it, though, in our ethics podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, so Rat Snakes, there is an audiobook version. Oh, thank the Lord. If there is an old British man reading it. If not, I will just read the book myself. Yeah, I imagine it can't be that, that long. Okay, should we read a few reviews of it quickly? Ooh, we got one one-star rating. If you like listening to cocky jocks tell you you had to be their stories – back from their time in a fraternity, then you'll love this read. <laughs> I think that's kind of our podcast sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. So, but there are lots of other five-star ratings. Um, the reviews are a little long to read, but there are lots of five-star reviews. But yeah, there's some really lengthy uh, reads that really get into why they think it's a great book. Here, here's a shorter five-star one. Thoroughly enjoyed the inside look into the lives of UC ATF agents, well-written with a touch of bold seriousness and humor. Love this book. It was like sitting across from your favorite uncle and listening to him tell all his stories. I can't wait to reread it and will definitely be purchasing copies for presents. 
Wow. Okay. Get it, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent's killing it. Mm -hmm. I'm glad we looked him up. Very disappointing that Nathan and Angela didn't decide to read this as the children's bedtime story. I mean, (laughs) are you going to learn more from a wildflower book or from Rat Snake? Yeah, I mean, Vincent has infiltrated a notorious outlaw motorcycle gangs, splinter groups of the KKK. He's been doing it. Wow. I hope that they bring him in as a like a grandfather for the rehearsal. That would be really fun. Yes. So we see Patrick and Isaac's grandfather. They go out on this big quest overnight. They have a ton of bonding time. They talk about some foods that Patrick enjoys, um, notably cheese pizza, chicken, and steak. They kind of just are doing bro time, and they dig up this pile of gold. Isaac's grandfather says, Patrick, I'm going to put you in my will. You deserve this. You've helped me more tonight than my grandkids have in a long time. Yeah. I mean, I think this is also a lot of people's dream scenarios, but I'm not sure at what point he realizes, okay, this is a little fishy. I don't know. At the point when an old man is telling you we need to go under my floorboards to get a map to some gold that I buried to avoid taxes, you would think that something might click and you might be like, this is a little bit too weird but again maybe you're just like so excited that you want to believe it i would definitely want to believe it (laughs) i'd be like this must be real (laughs) we see later in the episode when they're burying all of the fruits and veggies for angela to dig up pretending that she grew them herself i feel like angela wants to believe it's real too so who's to say So after they dig up the gold, we see them back for another rehearsal at Raisin Cane's, and we learn that Isaac's grandfather has passed away. So Nathan announces to the full cast and crew, you know what, we're going to cancel today. Everyone go be with your loved one. Um, And this sets up for Patrick to learn at the next visit that it is in fact Isaac's grandfather who passed away. And we get a conversation between Isaac and Patrick where... You know, they're talking about the situation. Isaac is letting him know that his grandfather was adamant that he is left in the will. But, you know, doing these rehearsals with him, he is also worried that Ness is a gold digger and does not want the gold to end up with Ness as Patrick is the one that he bonded with. After a brief discussion, Nathan lets Patrick know that he should leave this for outside of their rehearsals. You know, he should be solving this in his own life and save the conversation that they're meant to be here for during the rehearsal time. Yeah, I really feel like everyone is being harsh about Ness. Like, I'm curious what Patrick's brother's issue is with Ness in general. Well, he thinks every woman he's dated is a gold digger. Yeah, we really need more information on Patrick's, like, financial situation. Like, really badly. (laughs) Yeah, very rude of them not to share. What's Patrick's full name? Do you have it? Oh, goodness, no. There's very little information on IMDb about these people. I did like look on Reddit and stuff like that. And people have basically said like, no, Patrick has disappeared. Even in that interview with Vincent, um, who we just read, he said like, oh, Patrick's like disappeared. So I think Patrick really doesn't want to be found, which leads me to believe that he maybe did figure out what was going on with the gold digging? Yes. Yeah, so just really quickly to recap what happened in case anyone is here having not seen the episode. So 
after this conversation, they come back, they do one more rehearsal where Patrick is very emotional and puts in a really good plea to his fake brother, Isaac, why he should get the inheritance. And Nathan notices this huge emotional shift in the conversation and Patrick is able to really engage and pitch why he should get his inheritance in a way that he has not before. After this, for the next rehearsal, we don't see Patrick again. We learn that Nathan has tried calling him multiple times. Eventually he gets through and learns that Patrick had wanted to go and try a funnel cake with Ness at an amusement park. They say that they invited Nathan, but I don't think that that's true. Um, I did look up Oak Park, which is where they had gone to, and Nathan shows up to try to meet them. Apparently Patrick's phone had died and that's why they weren't able to meet up. I'm going to guess that Patrick did not invite him. Um, But the funnel cakes get good reviews online, so hopefully Nathan, while he was there, was able to grab one. You can also get the Oak Park's funnel cakes on DoorDash and Uber Eats, so you can also, you don't even have to go to the park to get one. Yeah, if anyone is local to rural Oregon, you should definitely hit that. Yeah, hit us with a funnel cake review. We would love to read a funnel cake review. Um, On Patrick's final rehearsal with the plea, I think this is kind of like the really interesting thing about the show because personally, I don't like Patrick from the beginning when he has, you know, the questionable necklace and then he's making the anti-Semitic comments. Um, I was not a fan of him, but then the way that he interacts with Isaac's grand fake grandfather was very sweet. And then the way that he kind of talks about his grief uh, with Isaac at the final rehearsal it just like really made me a lot more sympathetic towards him. And I feel like that's just something that is so interesting about this show where they kind of have these people who you're like, I don't really like you, but I also recognize that you're a human being. And like, I am sad that you are also clearly this hurt. Do you think if he bought a Summit Ice jacket after the show, it could make up for his anti-Semitic comments and prove that he's moving in the right direction? Probably not. (laughs) It's truly the least he could do, though. It is the least he could do. I think he probably does not want anything to do with Nathan uh, after this, (laughs) but... It is really disappointing he just left, but I think it might also show he's not a paid actor. Because if you're being paid and it's your job, you probably couldn't just leave. Um, But if he signed up for this in the Craigslist ad that we saw in episode one, um, it maybe shows that he's like a real person and not an actor hired for this position. Yeah. I also think like just the situation in general with him and his brother is very upsetting. Not to get too like wah wah, but like my family had something similar happen where there was like a fight over a will of a family member. And it was extremely traumatic and like really did tear apart like relationships like that. So I just think it's like very interesting the way that the rehearsal can show these things that are like totally outlandish, like a person literally digging for gold with a fake old man and then also show these like really human sad moments. Nathan is just an artist, truly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think a lot of people have had issues with inheritance and there's normally a lot of legal battles um, that go on. Like, I think it's more common than most people think. Um, So it was definitely interesting to see someone going through this. Um, 
And I hope that Patrick was able to resolve it. It's obviously a very awkward situation when um, your sibling has control over something like that of, about your financial state. Here's yeah. hoping that Nathan and whatever his real brother's name is sorted it out. Yeah, you mean Patrick. And that Ness isn't too scarred from being called a gold digger like 20 times on national TV. Now that the Patrick rehearsal situation has kind of ended by force since he just decided to leave and never come back, which I really hope doesn't happen again in the series. Um, I would love a conclusion to all of the other rehearsals. It's very disappointing we couldn't actually see his brother and see how that concluded. Um, And unlike some of the other characters, we can't even hear about him in an article online talking about it. So we jump back to uh, Daddy Nathan and Angela. Yeah, and Nathan has created a lot of different memories uh, with baby Adam. We see a couple yes. of them. There's there's Angela bringing the baby home for the first time. There's the three of them camping. They went to Paris together, swimming lessons with Nathan, and of course, uh, going to see Thomas the Train. Do you think he called his friend the aging photo specialist from Nathan for you to jump in here? <laughs> oh my God, I would hope so. Those the aging on the the mirror looked a little bit better. Yeah. So essentially what has happened is since the child is aging every three years, we see Nathan drop off his three-year-old son, open the door shortly later, and a six-year-old son arrives. This really threw him out of his, you know, mindset of this is a real situation. So he has decided that when there is this three-year jump, he needs to also jump everything in his life three years. So when they plant seeds in the garden, suddenly the next week, you know, it's as if those plants have been there for three years. So we see all these plants sticking out of the grass. It's hilarious. Um, probably my favorite part of the whole episode is when Nathan shows all of the vegetables on the table that Angela went and quote unquote picked. Um, and there's a sticker on, on one of the peppers. Yeah. So I took some screenshots of Nathan planting the seeds um, and kind of what he says in the voiceover. I also posted it on our Twitter. So at Nathan for us pod, if you want to go check it out. But he says seeds that are planted one week have to be plump vegetables the next. Nature's timeline has to be accelerated and your brain desperately tries to adapt to your new reality. So other things that he had adjusted in the home were they have a mirror that when you look into it, it ages you. Now, I doubt that's what Nathan would look like after just three years of aging, but it shows him with very gray hair. His skin's still looking great, but it every time you look in the mirror, he looks a little bit older. Do we think he's using Angela's Etsy skin cream? I mean, it would be a very compelling review for it. So hopefully he gets that um, referral online. Yeah, hopefully he's getting a kickback if he is, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the end of the episode is just like... I don't know, not like sad, but it's like both very funny and very serious. And well, I know for me, while I've been watching, I've been trying to kind of determine what the thesis of this show is going to be just because it feels like Nathan is building to a very specific point with the rehearsal. Um, and I think that the seeds and the acceleration and kind of talking about you need to accept what your reality is. Um, is probably where I'm leaning right now. What do you think? Yeah, I, w I would agree. Um, kind of the ending 
I, I really loved of this episode. Nathan emphasizes that emotions aren't easy to engineer. Um, and he says, even when you think of everything, there will always be things you forget. So you can do your best to try to plan your life and to engineer and micromanage everything, rehearse everything. But there are things that are just out of your control. And this is when they zoom in on the sticker of, you know, on the vegetable that they were supposed to have grown fresh, but is from a supermarket. And that is definitely my favorite part of this episode. I thought it was so funny. This has just been like a wild ride so far. Episode four is called The Fielder Method. I have no idea what <laughs> that could mean. Um, the only thing that springs to mind for me is the Dennis Method, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, but I don't think that's where we're going with this. I do have one thing that I'm hoping for, even if we don't necessarily know what's coming up. And for me, that's that I hope we get more of like a sympathetic viewpoint for Angela because I feel like right now for me I don't really feel sympathetic to Angela at all it feels like she's just in the experiment with Nathan to kind of like play make believe like there has to be more to her obviously humans are full people and we all have different layers and whatnot but for me Angela just has not been shown other than kind of the surface stuff that we've seen and then her like uh, very fringe beliefs that she talks about. So I'm interested to see if they kind of find a way to redeem her character a little bit. And by character, I mean redeem her as a person on this show. I almost feel the opposite where I don't I don't need to see her redeemed. I think I kind of know everything that I need to know about her. And a lot of people online seem to think that Nathan is going to divorce her and then end up having his fictional life alone, which I think would be a really interesting direction. And having an actor as his wife, as well as the children, um, again, referencing that poster for the show where it's him and then all of these fake family members around him. Fair enough. Yeah, that would be cool. Oh, I also thought it was really funny how when they brought in the fake child to sleep, I understood the point when it was a baby and they were making it cry every few hours or every few minutes, depending on how the fake child that they were copying went. But to, to have a replacement child for like this three-year-old, the six-year-old, the older children seemed a little silly. Yeah, we'll have to see if they continue it. They must be continuing this bit throughout. It's a Sasquatch man watching a three-year-old and a six-year-old sleep. And does that continue for all ages? That seems unnecessary. Yeah, we'll have to see. I'm so excited for the next episode to see where this is going, especially now that we know that there's another rehearsal going on, Assume well, we assume, uh, while the family stuff is going on too. Yes, definitely. I hope that we get ones with all of the conclusions and no one else leaves. Yeah. One other thing that we didn't really talk about, but like Nathan clearly has a thing with Wills because in Nathan for you, remember he liked to ask people if he could be included in their will? <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out for him, but maybe one day he'll be successful. Yeah, maybe this was his dream to help someone dig for gold and then be included in their will. Who knows? Maybe he'll include someone from the show in his will. Hopefully Adam, his son. But which one? Thanks to our pal Jacob Redmond for sending in some questions on Twitter, which we will quickly answer together. Jacob's first question is, what is the second most Satanist holiday? That's tough. Um, okay, so Halloween, we're thinking is number one. I almost feel like New Year's 
Is that a hot take? Is that because everyone's drinking and being scandalous and the devil would love that? I'm on a website called the satanictemple.com slash pages slash holidays. So the satanic temple is actually pretty dope. I famously, I don't know if I've ever discussed this, went to a Catholic high school, but in our world religions class, one of my friends did a presentation on the satanic temple and brought in devil's food cake for everyone. And it was incredible. But yeah, satanic temple is pretty cool. So on the satanictemple.com slash pages slash holidays, there are a few other satanic holidays. The first one is on February 15th. It is the celebration of bodily autonomy, sexual liberation, and reproduction. On April 30th, we have the occasion honoring those who fell victim to superstition and pseudoscience, whether by witch hunt, satanic panic, or other injustices. On July 25th, there is a celebration of religious plurity and shedding um, arcanic superstition. We have Halloween, which we would say is the number one. And then December 25th, uh, the celebration of being unconquered by superstitions and consistent in the pursuit of sharing knowledge. Those all sound very wholesome to me. Yeah, the Satanic Temple is cool. They like promote... Pro, they like pro-choice ideals, egalitarianism, social justice. They're like pretty legit. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. So uh, Jacob's question number two, how is the Punisher necklace not a big enough red flag? I think that's exactly what we said. I mean, I think it was a pretty big red flag. Definitely a red flag. Okay. And then is Raising Cane's a better setting than Quiznos? Um, are we saying for a date? Are we saying to convince your brother to give you your inheritance? If it's for a date, I would say Raising Cane's is better. Chicken fingers seem like a little bit easier to share. Um, whereas Quiznos, you know, you have your own sandwich. You eat a little bit quicker. Chicken fingers and fries, you have a side. So you can eat a little bit slower if you want to continue the conversation or you can end it quickly. Yeah, I'd say Raising Cane's might be a better place for a date. Yeah, I think subs are inherently a little messy too, especially when they're covered by um, chef-inspired sauces. You're really risking dribble kind of like down your face um maybe this is just me i'm a messy eater and i have a small mouth so you know personal details for everybody but yeah i think raising canes would be a better choice for the reasons that megan said also like don't you want to go to ohio what a sexy place to be excellent spot for a date so thank you so much to everyone for listening and a special shout out to sweetheart of the podcast, Wilson, who follows us on all of our accounts and always leaves such lovely comments. If you would like to follow us online, you can find us on TikTok at Nathan for us podcast. And we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Nathan for us pod. Yeah. Send us an email, Nathan for us podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from the listeners. Thank you to everyone who has left us five-star reviews. We really appreciate it. If you would like to help us out at all, um, we would love for you to leave us a quick little five-star review. If you are planning to leave us a one-star review, you know, just stop listening. And instead, you can send us a mean email. It'll cut a lot deeper. Yes. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Kelly and Megan on your side. Yeah.